know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves. This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Why, hello, superhumans. Boomer Anderson here, host of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. Today, I have a smile, which you cannot see from ear to ear, because I just got off the plane from Iceland. And yes, it was an absolutely epic trip. But I'm also smiling because of today's guest. Our guest today has had quite a significant influence on my current fitness regimen, as well as really influencing how I look at fitness in general. Because as many of you know, I have overdone it in the past, leading to almost symptoms like burnout. But my guest today is six-time CrossFit Games veteran Marcus Philly. Marcus grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, where he played multiple sports as a child, including soccer, baseball, and golf. He graduated from the University of California at Berkeley with a degree in molecular and cell biology and an emphasis in nutrition and physiology. After Berkeley, he completed a year of graduate work at The Ohio State University School of Medicine before his interest led him to CrossFit in 2007. Marcus has been a health and fitness coach for eight years since leaving medical school in 2009. He has coached athletes at the CrossFit Games as well as regional athletes. Marcus is also the creator of something called Functional Bodybuilding, which I'm a big believer of, as well as the Awakened Training Series. So what did Marcus and I talk about? The predominant focus of this episode was recovery because I think it's something that often gets overlooked when it comes to exercise. We all have the view, or I'm generalizing here, a lot of us have the view that exercise is a more you do the better equation. And as Marcus gets into, that's simply not the case. We want to be effective in our exercise. We want to be deliberate, but we also want to be deliberate in our recovery. So we talked a lot about recovery. We talked a little bit about the CrossFit Games and sort of the, I guess you could say, use of SARMs and other PEDs in the CrossFit Games. We talked about Marcus's background and how what led him really to functional bodybuilding. And then finally, I get to ask Marcus my three favorite questions, which, you know, when we got into extreme ownership, as you'll see, uh, it was quite fun for me. But the show notes for this one are going to be found at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Marcus. That's M-A-R-C-U-S. Enjoy the episode, superhumans. The sponsor for today's podcast is Neurohacker Collective. The chairman, Jordan Greenhall, has been on the show to talk about one of my favorite topics and episodes to date, sovereignty. And the medical director has also been on the show to talk about unleashing your human potential through epigenetics. That's Dr. Daniel Stickler. But why do I love Neurohacker Collective so much? Well, frankly, it upgrades me on a day-to-day basis. Actually, I take their products five out of seven days of the week. Their original Qualia stack is something that I absolutely and still thoroughly enjoy. It's packed with over 40 premium brain nutrients to immediately enhance your focus, energy, mood, creativity, and all while supporting your health. Their new flagship nootropic, Qualia Mind, is a premium nootropic supplement that helps support mental performance and brain health. And frankly, with both products, I do not get the crashes that 
I commonly get with nootropics and other supplements. So I want you to go over to their website and check it out when you have a chance. It's neurohacker.com. And if you subscribe, you get 15% off by using the code BOOMER. If you want to just do a one-time purchase, you get 10% off, again, using that code BOOMER. And while you're there, pick up their free foundational guide to neurohacking. It's definitely worth checking out. But please, enjoy the show. Marcus, this is a discussion I've looked forward to for a long time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. So... I think the best place to get started here is really around uh, how you came, well, we'll get into functional bodybuilding in a second, but take me through how you were feeling at the end of the 2016 CrossFit Games and grid season, because I I believe at least the stories have been told, that's how everything developed. Yeah. um, Well, for those listeners that aren't familiar with my competitive fitness experience or background, you know, I... um, played a lot of college soccer, played a lot of sports when I was younger, fell in love with fitness along the way, got into fitness for the just pure joy of seeing what I was capable of doing in the gym and the feeling good aspect, which then segued into a CrossFit obsession in the early 2000, or sorry, 2009. And then be as the sport of fitness kind of evolved, I started to get involved um, at different levels, you know, team competition in CrossFit, individual competitions in CrossFit, and then grid league uh, for the short time that it was, you know, a thing. Um, and there was some success that I had with that. Um, but it was really just a seven-year process. It was a seven, eight-year, you know, span of time that I was really kind of exploring competitive fitness. So, you know, taking what, what I had used for much of my life as like a um, – pursuit of feeling good, of looking good, of uh, building confidence in myself, which then turned into, okay, now I'm, I'm trying to race against other people in exercise. And um, yeah, it took a number of years for me to really understand what that meant, um, what kind of toll that was going to take on my body and what that meant uh, relative to what I got into it for in the first place. And that all culminated kind of in that last year after 2016, moving into 2017. Um, I just think that I had now put in six years of competitive, uh, you know, appearances at the CrossFit Games as well as the Grid League. And it just was so obvious to me at that point in hindsight and from the feelings that I was having, you know, I had a clear picture of like, okay, competitive fitness is a total different ball game than fitness for health, longevity, to look good, to feel good. Um, you know, I fought that for years because I would feel banged up. I'd feel beat up from competing in the sport of CrossFit. And I was like, why can't I just feel amazing and just get into the gym and get after it every day and just have that old energetic passion each time I walked into the gym? And I realized that it's because when you pursue fitness at the level of intensity that is necessary to be successful at the CrossFit Games, you take it beyond kind of like the health spectrum. You take it very deep into unhealthy territory, which is the nature of sport. You're not doing it for health. You're doing it for a competitive purpose. So that just was all kind of put into perspective for me um, in that final year. And, you know, some of like the, the hallmarks of what, drove that home were 
you know, me just being extremely, um, you know, physically exhausted, having some injuries at the end of the season, sort of having kind of like a, like a hormonal suppression or like drop where I was just like, I, my, my hormones were all off. I couldn't get like energy the way I normally was, you know, used to having it. And, um, and knowing that every year prior to that was a build upon the previous year, there was more that I did. It was always more, it was always more. There was no, I'm just going to do the same as I did last year and I'll be successful. So I was at this really critical point where it was like, okay, I'm feeling about the lowest I've felt since starting this process. And I know that to continue, I need to elevate what I've done in the past, which was the biggest training build of my life. And I just was like, oh man, there's, I'm at a real conflict space right now. And I don't know yet. I don't really understand how it's going to go forward. So it just caused me to rethink training principles, work with the coach that I've been with for years to sort of reimagine what it could look like for me to, to stay very physically fit, potentially stay engaged in competition, but more importantly, just get back on track and get aligned with what mattered to me from the beginning, which was looking good, feeling good, getting confidence from training, having it impact my life in a positive way and not just detract from it um, on the tail end of every competition that I was part of. So it sounds in a way kind of, if I were to liken it to something that happens a lot in the corporate world, burnout in a way. Um, was yeah, it- by the way, I'm sorry, I could have just said burnout. We would have bypass my long-winded answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like you. I like the fact that you walk through the whole story because it gives gives a lot of perspective for sure. Uh, talk to me about how functional bodybuilding kind of came into the play here because, I mean, obviously you're still very active. You're still training a lot. Do you mind just going into how that got introduced and what exactly is functional bodybuilding? Well, you know, we're just going to look at the kind of the term functional bodybuilding it's somewhat descriptive in nature right it's (laughs) uh, it's, you know we're taking functional training we're taking bodybuilding we're sort of finding a hybrid of both um but the longer answer to that is you know if if high intensity functional fitness training in an intensive environment for the performance side of the sport was where i was coming from most recently and then bodybuilding was my my history my past where it was very focused on you know developing muscles for the sake of growing muscles so like focusing on different isolated parts of the body um you know appreciating the complexity of movement a lot less so it's like functional movement bodybuilding in terms of movement complexity right uh, they just they were in different places now, one, one thing, I got something from this side, I got something from the other side. And there was some inherent beauty to each part of it. There was also some missing pieces to each part of it, right? One was like overtraining burnout, the way I was pursuing it. The other was um, a lack of kind of, you know, progression. Like I couldn't progress my bicep curls beyond where they had... I mean, I could always keep trying to get my muscles bigger, but at some point I stopped wanting to be, you know, bigger, more muscular and the, the, the drive to go into the gym and, you know, add five pounds to my bicep curl just wasn't exciting. As exciting as I came to realize like doing 
more complex functional movements or, you know, different movements that required um, more of the body to work and just uh, were a challenge mentally. So, um, you know, in hindsight, I think that functional bodybuilding really was sort of a way to marry the, the different phases of training in my life. Um, but initially, it was simply just, okay, let's take this athlete, which was me, working with my coach, and how do we simplify Marcus's training in a way that allows him to recover, right? So when, when people experience burnout, whether it's in the corporate world or whether it's in training and sport, it's, it's just that it's the culmination of too much stress in their life, and they, they're, basically their systems can't keep up. They can't adapt fast enough. They can't recover fast enough in order to feel, you know, uh, normal or at homeostasis. So in the, in the, in the, in the, maybe in the corporate se sector, people are experiencing burnout. You have to look at how do we mitigate some of the stresses or, you know, de-stress them in ways. And maybe that's in the, in the office place. Maybe it's with their diet. Maybe it's with movement. Maybe it's with other things within trip. Within, we look at the same thing with an athlete, um, but here I was living a pretty quality lifestyle. Like I eat really good food. I prioritize sleep, you know, so the input that was really high for me at the time was my training. So the training had to come way down. How do you bring training down? Well, you go to more simple movements. You go to less complex uh, brain activity in the training. You slow down as opposed to go fast for speed or intensity. Um, you start to isolate <laughs> a little bit more. Um, you start to do stuff that looks like bodybuilding, actually. And so, but I didn't, you know, my coach didn't start prescribing me bicep curls and tricep kickbacks. He was prescribing me, you know, variations of pull-ups, variations of ring rows, variations of planks, variations of band walking, variations of squatting with kettlebells. It's unilateral work, right? The stuff that now people who are familiar with the functional bodybuilding, you know, programs and pages that we have are like, oh yeah, that's, that's what he's doing, right? So that's, that's really kind of the, the, the beginnings of functional bodybuilding and how it got going. And I only needed to have about, I would say probably two months into training in this kind of new, new way, this new style. I was just like, boom, there's something unique here. There's something different. This is not, this is not being done. People are not seeing that this is the, the, a potential way to approach fitness um, it feels amazing. You know, you can accomplish the, the goal that most people actually have of looking good <laughs> when yeah, they come exactly. to the gym. Um, and you know, it, it can be a lot more enjoyable and entertaining than, um, some of the other approaches to looking good, you know, in a traditional bodybuilding sense. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for walking through that. And I, I must say, as somebody who's doing this, it, it is quite enjoyable and a lot of fun. Seems like from a third-party perspective, things are really starting to take off for it too. Um, how much, in doing some research for this, I looked into kind of your background in molecular biology. How much would you say that that degree and that research has played into your training? I mean, it's it's shaped every everything about the way I look at, you know, my, uh, it's shaped the scientific approach that I look at all things fitness related. And it's also 
plays no role in my life now. You know, like I don't do any, you know, uh, bench work, uh, in the way like, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing any cell biology, uh, anymore these days. Um, but the, you know, the understanding of, you know, process method, um, you know, uh, looking at critically looking at what are the, what are the variables that are impacting results? Um, you know, that stuff was certainly, uh, learned through that education process. I've also very, um, you know, understanding physiology, um, on a cellular level is pretty valuable in my field now. Um, and what I'm doing as a health and fitness, you know, coach and educator, um, because I think, you know, breaking things down to their, their fundamental parts is, is a big, it's, it's a, it's a big part of the mindset and the thought process in that goes into functional bodybuilding, right? It's, um, you know, what is, what's the movement? What's the pattern that we want to focus on? How do we break that down into its, you know, uh, uh, basic fundamental parts? How do we deconstruct it? And um, that's kind of how cell biology, we, the focus we took on like, you know, human physiology and nutrition was like, okay, well, yeah, you got your carbs, you got your, you know, proteins and fats and but okay, what is a what does a carbohydrate look like on a cellular level? Where do the chemical reactions happen? How do those things break down and then you know release you know simple sugars into the bloodstream? How does that get absorbed across the gut? What cells are actually what what you know transporters or proteins in the cell wall are actually carrying those things across? You know those. I don't remember, like, I, I don't need to know the details of the names of the proteins that transport, glu you know, glucose across cell membranes. They're still stuck in there somewhere, but it's just the concept of, like, okay, there is, there are layers to everything that we're seeing, right? Mm -hmm. And you've got to be able to know how to go back to the very fundamental layers if you are, are searching for answers and you're searching for better ways to do things, you know, and, um, and so that mindset, that thought process, that, that way of approaching problems definitely was something that I learned in, you know, in undergrad and, and in, in, the, in the school work that I did and in my brief time in medical school. So I use that all the time, I think. Awesome. This is great. Uh, Marcus, one of the things I absolutely love on, about the program is the email you get Thursday morning about recovery and Sunday and just sort of the general emphasis on recovery with functional bodybuilding. How would you weight recovery in terms of your overall performance, like versus the actual movement itself? What kind of emphasis do you place on your own recovery? I don't think they, I, I, I don't, I don't I no longer look at them in isolation. Okay. Um, you know, training and recovery are one in the same, you know, because you're in that, you know, progress or, or adaptation, you know, has to happen with both. You have to have a training stimulus. You have to have adequate recovery for it. And, you know, positive adaptations come from a good, healthy balance of that, the right amount of stress, the right amount of recovery, you know, 
negative adaptations will come from not enough stress, too much recovery, or basically under training. And then the opposite is true. If you train too much and you under recover, you can also see, you know, basically your strength numbers go down, your energy levels go down, your, you know, your sex drive go down, et cetera. Um, so it's, it's kind of also like, how much do I prioritize recovery versus training? Well, it, it totally shapes how I look at the training prescription for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody, I'm not thinking necessarily about like, you know, how much am I going to get this person to recover this week? I'm thinking, what can this person tolerate from a stress load given the amount that I know that they're trying to recover? Mm-hmm. You know, people, people will prioritize their, their recovery kind of based upon what is available to them in their life, what their knowledge is of recovery. Um, you know, you can stress it to them, but at the end of the day, if somebody doesn't want to take a rest day, then three of their training sessions every week are going to be recovery in nature. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to give it I say, Hey, well, if you don't want to take a rest day. Then you got to go for a hike today. Um, Sunday, you're going to go for a walk. And then Tuesday, you're going to go for a swim because I can't load you seven days in a row and expect anything positive to come out of it. So, um, you know, the short answer is it's, it's, it's extremely important and so much so that it basically impacts exactly what the, the fitness prescription the person gets, you know, um, not just the recovery prescription that they get. Along the, those lines, are there any sort of generalized themes you can make for, for people in sort of enhancing the recovery? I'm thinking more in terms of sleep, but also supplementation. Any sort of rec- general recommendations you p- apply to people, or is it all very specific to the person? Um, we definitely have some like general recommendations for sure. You know, like we, we love to say, try and aim for eight hours of sleep a night. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we like to say, uh, from a hydration standpoint, like drink, you know, half your body weight, um, in fluid ounces. So that's if you, if you're counting pounds rather, you know, it's like a 200 pound individual drink a hundred ounces of water. Um, you know, we can start to, uh, yeah, we can get, I can get into some other like general prescriptions around like, you know, protein requirements for people, how much protein they should be eating. But, um, yeah, well, let's, let's do that. Cause that's a, a question that I kind of, I commonly get from listeners is sort of, especially when you look at other diets like ketogenic diets and those kind of things, like I, I guess on the nutrition side, does an athlete need carbohydrates? Uh, I guess is part one. Uh, maybe we're going down a wormhole here. Um, and then how much protein, uh, do they need? Um, yeah, well, first, uh, I guess it depends on how you define an athlete, right, and what the sport is, you know. So a golfer, yeah, I think the golfer's an athlete. Um, I don't know that a golfer needs a lot of carbohydrates for the type of training stress that they have, you know. Like golfing is a – it's relatively – it's, it's very aerobic in that you're just out for long, long extended periods of time walking – low, moderate heart rate, uh, and you have to really have good control of your nervous system. Um, so in that case, you know, I would, I would really recommend a very low carbohydrate, you know, approach for those individuals, basically like, you know, almost ketogenic, like they want to be in a fat burning state. They don't need to be in ketosis necessarily, but just that kind of thing. So yeah, you have to ask like, what does it mean to be an athlete? And then what's the sport? Um, 
certain sports, I, I absolutely know that carbohydrates will enhance your performance. Um, and CrossFit sport is, is one of them, you know, uh, I, I, I mean, I haven't been able to pull all the top CrossFit athletes in the most recent games, but I would, I would wager, I, I'd wager a lot of money that a hundred percent of the men and the women that competed at the CrossFit games, the fittest on earth, uh, eat a lot of carbohydrates yeah. <laughs> and they rely a lot on carbohydrates for their training demands. Right. Um, so there is, you know, there are zero keto people that are, you know, at the CrossFit games. Um, so that's, you know, why is carbohydrate important in that respect? It's uh, it's just a tool to um, aid in the recovery process, really. You know, from a from the energetic demands of the training, like you can, you know, you can fuel with different substrates, but the carbohydrates definitely help recovery, and they definitely help those types of athletes that are producing a lot of like high intensity athletes that are training at a high level. Um, it reduces kind of this. It, manages the stress response that they're under. I mean, they're, they have so much cortisol in their bodies that they're just burning sugars up all the time. And if you take sugars away from them, their body's going to be trying to figure out how to manufacture them fast. And we don't have a very fast mechanism for manufacturing sugars. So they're just going to be under more and more stress. Um, and then from pro a protein requirement standpoint, like, you know, coming from like a bodybuilding world back in the day, I really kind of had this notion of like, I need to have so much protein, you know, like one, one gram per pound or something like that. I, I mean, I would, I would, I was experimenting with even bigger numbers because I, <laughs> I was like, you know, body, I mean, trying to like cut calories, keep protein high, get the most thermogenic effect from food, you know, all right, I'll have 300 grams of protein every day. <laughs> um, and like 150 grams of carbs and like 50 grams of fat, you know? Uh, so that was kind of an old, old thinking. Um, more and more I realized like you don't, I don't, you don't need that much protein. Um, I still use the one gram per pound of body weight for, for athletes. Um, I think it's an okay prescription, but it's funny when you get some people to weigh and measure, you know, uh, they can, if they're from like a bodybuilding background, they can way overshoot that. They're oh, yeah. eating, you know, eight ounces of steak for, you know, eight ounces of meat, five meals a day, plus, plus shakes. And I'm just like, yeah, you're kind of overshooting <laughs> a little bit. A little bit overdone. But yeah, so then, um, but for somebody who's just kind of getting into fitness, that's an area that they often under eat, you know, protein require they undershoot their protein requirements. And it's an area we have to really emphasize you know, it's like every meal, I want you to base things around, uh, once you really base your, your meal around some lean protein so that you and get the hormonal effects from eating that and, um, feel good, build energy, you know, start to really, you know, support your lean tissue and help you burn body fat over time. So on that or to that end, uh, supplements are a very popular topic and there's a lot of stuff that people take, which may or may not be necessary. Are there generalized supplements that you think are really good that help with recovery? Um, yeah, I mean, if you're, uh, if you're training hard, you know, I think a, a quality whey protein supplement that also has some carbohydrates in it, um, depending on the, the level of intensity could be a really 
I mean, really smart choice. Um, then again, it's like supplements. I know people don't love to, <laughs> they like to talk about like, well, what supplement can I take like on day one? The, it's like, the pill it's for a, the L. <laughs> yeah, it's a supplement. So make sure your diet's in check. But once, assuming that your diet's in check and you're doing good things there, like don't take a whey protein supplement if you're not eating protein at every meal during the day, you know, start there first. You'll mm -hmm. be much you'll recover much better if you start with your actual food intake um but from a yeah from the protein requirement standpoint excuse me the supplement standpoint um you know a whey protein or a protein supplement post training um you know my brand is revive rx we have a carb carbohydrate protein blend that people take post training which is you know proven super effective with uh recovery for post training um Let's see. Additionally, from a recovery standpoint, the way you absorb your nutrients and the quality of your sleep is greatly going to impact how well you recover. Mm -hmm. The health of your digestive system will impact both of those things. If your gut health is really jacked up, your sleep quality will go down. If the health of your digestive system is jacked up, you won't absorb nutrients really well from your food. Mm -hmm. um, all of these things just push your stress, you know, curve higher. So the, the other supplements that I think are really important in recovery are things that would promote good, you know, gut health. So I'm, I encourage people to, uh, you know, supplement with L-glutamine. It's a really important gut health, uh, I mean, it's a, sorry, it's a prevalent amino acid in the digestive lining. It's good for repairing the gut. Um, a, a probiotic, probiotics, you know, a lot of, con uh, not controversy, but a lot of talk about the, the, the benefits of using, you know, uh, probiotics in, you know, the health and fitness world. So something that I subscribe to is uh, having a probiotic every day, um, you know, different like green supplements that I've experimented with to help set the pH in the digestive system in the morning, improve kind of, uh, you know, the enzymatic action that's down there. So yeah, kind of gut health supplements, um, the, you know, kind of whey protein or protein supplements. Um, and then some, you know, other like general, uh, you know, Ones would be like fish oil, vitamin D, and uh, like a magnesium. Okay. I, I really like how you went into the gut there because um, I'm sure you've seen this, but like athletes with dysbiosis is quite quite prevalent, right? And um, yeah, thank you for going into that. The Marcus, one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about and has kind of been a controversial topic of late is uh, SARMs and performance-enhancing drugs. Because it's it's come up in the CrossFit Games, it's come up obviously in the Tour de France many years ago, but many of the athletes are using this for recovery or increased performance. What's your view on these? Do we need to open the conversation a little bit more because they're they're no longer made in the bathtub? Uh, is it something? What's your general view on SARMs and PEDs? Um. Well, it's kind of an area that I have to be honest, like I'm not, I'm not super educated on, you know, I, I kind of have sort of just watched 
the controversies or the discussion happen from the sideline haven't really made an, a, a concerted effort and point to go and educate myself on on it. Um, it's funny. I mean, I grew up. I grew up never being exposed to it, even though I was kind of like interested in bodybuilding and I hung around gyms where there are definitely, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, oh yeah, those guys were definitely on, you know, something. Um, you know, I played collegiate, collegiate athletics. I was a soccer player, so it's not super prevalent in the soccer world, but, you know, I knew football players. I had a big division one school, just had no exposure to it and never, never heard anyone talking about it. Um, got into CrossFit and... I was always, I mean, for years I was, I was at the top, I was kind of at the top of the, of the game, you know, and I never felt like, gosh, I, I can't keep up. You know, there were guys, there were always guys that I competed against that I was like, they're just better than me, you know? And, and that's, I just chalked it up to that. Like I never thought like, Oh, well, he's better than me. Therefore he must be using. Right. But, um, I just kind of was like, well, you know, I know for my own self, when I go to bed at night, like I don't use performance enhancing drugs and I'm still one of the fittest people in this whole sport. And I haven't reached my, you know, my innate potential yet. So I, I kind of was just like, I, I kind of was in the camp of like, man, I think people are blowing this out of proportion. I think that they, they all think that everyone in CrossFit's on, on gear, but we're not because I, I know I'm not. And you know, I, I, I've spent time with a lot of these athletes, you know, and um, played on the Phoenix Rise. It's like two months. I'm living with a bunch of the best athletes in the sport and, you know, again, still not exposed to it. And then, of course, you know, drug testing is happening and people are getting people are getting caught. Some of the first cases early on were like inadvertent. You know, I took something that was in my C4 or my, you know, whatever, NO Explode or uh, sorry, I'm just throwing out brand names. Yeah. It's totally of me to say but excuse me there was one company jack 3d that did have something that got people popped back in the day yeah right and uh they've since probably changed their formulations of course whatever but um but these are like inadvertent kind of test results and then now in the last couple of years definitely starting to hear more about like oh that that couldn't have been inadvertent like that that's not there's no accidental like i from what I understand, you can't accidentally just get that in your system. Like that actually has to be administered by a doctor. You have to find that like in a, in a, in somewhat of a, in a way that's like, I'm clearly trying to gain an advantage. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that there needs to be more of a conversation about it. I think that, you know, people are talking about it a lot now, especially since some higher profile athletes and some, podium finish you know a podium finisher two years ago at the crossfit games basically had his you know medal taken away from him for this um i think that there's still a lot of people that are inadvertently taking stuff they're just not aware because there's there's banned substances and over-the-counter over-the-counter things and you know that freaks me out i mean i don't take a lot of supplements these days you know i take basically like the stuff i talked about you know and really low risk of contamination in those areas. Uh, but it kind of like, it freaks me out. Like, should I ever decide to compete again? Like, I mean, I, I got drug tested a lot in CrossFit, you know, in, in the, in the course of the season and never was I taking, you know, drugs knowingly. And I would still get these tests and I'd be like peeing in the cup or taking a blood vial and I'd be nervous. I'm like, Oh my God, is there, 
did I like, you know, inhale something walking by the thing the other day? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. So, so it's kind of, it's kind of a, seems it's like it takes a lot of energy to go educate yourself on everything that could be bad, you know, banned. And, um, it's also, but I feel like if you just stick to these principles that we've just discussed about recovery and training, like you can accomplish so much without it. And, uh, you know, there's very few people that can make it to the CrossFit Games. And I think that some people believe that if they, you know, use certain substances, they can get into that small group because they're, they're genetically not inside that group. And, and that's a hard realization to come to if that's what you've kind of built a lot of your life priorities around. You spend all this time training to get to, you know, an event like regionals, or get to the CrossFit Games. You've done it for three years. You can see that there's a pretty big gap between you and the field, like in that top part of the field. Like you just feel it when you're out there. Like I'm when I when I would when I would compete against Josh Bridges, for example, at regionals, and he would be. Yeah, there's things I was way better than him at just because I was a different type of athlete. But there's some areas where I'm just like, I'm not catching that guy. Like today, tomorrow, next year, like even when he's 40 and I'm 35, like I'm still going to be chasing that guy because he's just better. And uh, you can feel those things, you know, as an athlete. And I think that there's certain people in the sport that that felt that and they're like, but I've dedicated so much. I got to keep doing this. And the only way I can I can close that gap might be to take something. And, um, my heart goes out to them because it's just a, it's just a, it's just such a misalignment of priorities. You know, it's such a, um, it's, it's a, it's a sad place to be. They just kind of have, if they're knowingly doing it, I think they just have like lost, lost their way. And, um, if, you know, they, they should be punished for that. They should, you know, not be able to compete in the sport for a number of years, um, that's an opportunity to learn and, and grow. And so anyway, hopefully that was a good enough. No, it, that was, I appreciate you going through that. And I do think it's, it's a tough realization that people have to come to. And one I came to a, a long time ago in the CrossFit games, like I'm just not going to make it there. Um, but it, it is a very tough realization for people. One of the things that uh, actually, before we go into this, when you're looking at your own recovery, your own strain, do you use any sort of technology to monitor things like heart rate variability or other things? Or is it a lot of just sort of knowing thyself for you? It's both. I mean, okay. I, I have a whoop, a whoop band, so I okay. use that, the whoop strap and got one have the, uh, yeah, got it right here. Um, I've, exp- I've been kind of playing with that technology for over a year now, and I, I appreciate having kind of a, an objective look at it. Um, and for the most part, it matches sort of my, my intuitive sense of what I need and where I'm at. And sometimes I'm surprised to find out that like, Oh, actually I, I was a little bit off, you know? And, um, so I'm not training at that level of like sport where I, I'm going to look at that information and then make it like change how I approach my training, um, in any big way. But I, uh, but I definitely appreciate having kind of some of those metrics to look at, you know, my sleep quality, the, the time, the amount of sleep, um, you know, what my strain is on any given day. Um, okay. Awesome. Okay, Marcus, there's a couple of things I want to go 
a little bit of a right turn here and talk about competition prep and mindset because as I was researching you, a lot of what you're known for and some of the videos that are out on you are sort of your mindset towards competition. Do you mind just, because I think there's broader implications for this for anybody going through uh, a big competition. Do you mind just taking us through sort of how you get yourself mentally prepared for competition? I mean, competition really like the mental prep for it always starts for me like well before the competition weekend, you know, or the competition day. You know, it's like there's a number of months leading up to it where it's like, like for example, in CrossFit season, the old the old season, it was CrossFit Open, CrossFit Regionals, CrossFit Games. Um, so like once, you know, more or less like January 1st kind of rolled around, you know, the Open was very much in sight. You know, it was right there. It was like, you know, seven weeks away. And so each each week in training, I started the mental, you know, the mental preparation of, of putting myself in the mindset, both, uh, and, and the physical, you know, um, the same physical kind of place and schedule that I would for the competition. And also Fridays is when I'm going to have the, you know, my, my open result or my, my open workout. So I would kind of like rehearse the whole week leading up to it, you know, think about, how am I going to get myself to feel my best, you know, feel the best on Friday? How am I going to remove the obstacles that might be in the way of keeping me focused? So like get my work done early in the week, you know, um, schedule my meetings earlier in the week so that when Friday arrives, it's like I'm, I have nothing on my plate to kind of distract me. Um, and then within the actual workouts that I'd be doing leading up to like the open, you know, there might be one or two workouts a week that reflected sort of like an open style workout. And I would, I would rehearse, you know, my pre workout ritual, my warm up. you know, I would go into that workout and training, um, and, and kind of do the self-talk that I would plan to use in the, in the open. You know, I always, you know, I always had to kind of tell myself over and over again, like one, you're okay. Two, this is what you want to do. You know, you signed up for this, like, you know, cause the doubts creep in and, and, and the, the discomfort of being in that space of the open, you know, was always hard for me to handle every year. So I would always have to be like, remind myself like, no, this is what you're here for. This is what you want to be doing. You're doing good. You're okay. Like you're going to be fine. Like this thing's almost over. Just stick to it. Like, and I practiced that for weeks and weeks and weeks leading into it. And the same thing would happen for regionals, you know, like I would do the same kind of routine. Once the open was over and it was clear I was going to regionals, okay, now let's get my mind right for that. You know, it's a different set of uh, skills. It's a different schedule. It's a different atmosphere. Um, and so how do I how do I approach each day of training that reflects the regionals competition prep, you know, with a, the right mentality. So that was, that was it. Now, now since you've kind of stepped away a little bit from the CrossFit games and you're focused a lot more on your business, how would you take the lessons that you've learned in sort of the competition prep and how are you, or com, just in general from competition and how are you applying those to your business? I'm actually curious if there's any overlap with that. Well, no, I mean, I, I just one thing comes, comes to mind like right out of the gates. Um, and that is, you know, I never, I, ne I always was encouraged to take ownership of my own stuff, 
as my coach in my training for, you know, competitive CrossFit. It was, you know, what's your, um, you know, you, you got to own your successes and your failures, right? And, you know, my coach was never like, I, as many times I would thank my coach for getting me to a certain place, you know, like, hey, you helped me get, like, you got me here, you know, something like that. And he'd be like, no, I didn't get you there. You got yourself there. Like, good for you, you know. And and when things were going not my way, it was like, yeah, that, that you also got yourself there. That's not my fault as a coach, you know. So that's a principle that I think definitely comes into business, you know. Learning, I'm learning that with, um, you know, I've got people that work for me, you know. That's a big responsibility, and it's something that I certainly don't take lightly. And when they struggle, um, I take ownership of that. I mean, I know I need to teach them to take ownership also, but I, I take ownership like, okay, what's my role in this? You know, I'm supposed to help them with that. I'm supposed to be there for them. I'm supposed to provide them the guidance. How is that? How am I doing with that? So bringing that sense of ownership, like the business is, is not failing because of anybody else but me, you know? And uh, like when things go wrong, like I look to myself first. So I don't know. Maybe that. That's great. Extreme ownership. I absolutely love it. Uh, yeah, man. I love that book, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Jocko Willink. Yeah. He's, uh... Yeah. Well, it's like I read it and it was like, you know, there were definitely things that he said in that book that um, were kind of eye opening to me, but ultimately just resonated already with like kind of my core philosophies. And um... I, I absolutely agree. Like everything on that book just kind of struck me as like, you own your own destiny. And that, that really resonated really well. Now, before we get into the final three questions, Marcus, I, I just want to say thank you for the Awakened Training Series. Like, I've I've talked to some of your staff before, but you know, I went through a pretty tough powerlifting bout for a while and um, beat myself up. And this has gotten me to love the gym again. So, thank you very much for that. Awesome. Um, so, final three questions that I ask every guest, and the first one is. Really, what is your biggest health pet peeve or biggest, let me rephrase that, the biggest pet peeve in the health world right now, things that you don't like that are being said, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, any, anybody that's just out like preaching it's my way or the highway, it's like, there's only one way to do anything, you know, or like, Hey, like you shouldn't, you should, you should never do that. Like there's, um, that, bug, that bugs me, you know, I'll post some, some movements periodically that are a little controversial, like the, a Jefferson's curl where you like really Ooh, flex, I and, <laughs> you I flex and extend your spine under load, um, like in a deadlift kind of fashion. So, uh, and, or like a behind the neck barbell press. And I get, I get people that are just like, you never should do that. Like the, the, shoulders not meant to be in that position like you should never flex and extend the, the thing under load like your back your spine um and i kind of just like i love to say like there's no you know actually i, re I read another coach say this is like there's no contraindicated exercises there's contraindicated people like you gotta just <laughs> you gotta assess the person you know mm -hmm. and that could be extended to like there's no contraindicated training styles there's just contraindicated people like CrossFit is a great training method, but not for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, yoga is a great training method, but not for everybody. You know, uh, 
right? So it's it's um that's that that's a pet peeve of mine for sure. Yeah, we're all individual. That that's that's really well said. On the next question is more along the lines of focus. What's your top trick to enhance focus? Because I've read some about how you tackle your business, but I would love to hear sort of tips that you have for people in terms of just enhancing your day-to-day focus. Well, I think, you know, I, I don't want to pretend like these are like my concepts, but, you know, something that I learned, I think probably from Tim Ferriss in the early days of reading some of his stuff or following his blog was just like, you know, batching things kind of like being, you know, trying to do too many things at once and you, you won't get anything done, you know, set aside this much time to do this part of your day and just do that. And, you know, you'll, you'll be able to accomplish a lot more in a given time. Um, for me, I mean, I've always had like a, uh, well, most of my life it's been like a, a healthy, a healthy dose of pessimism that I would kind of keep with me, you know, like the, uh, the functional pessimist. I don't know. Some, I think Bill Gates has a word, a term for it or something like that. It was like, just kind of that, that feeling of like, well, what's, what's the worst case scenario? Something, something might go wrong. And therefore I always stay focused on ensuring that we don't have that happen. Uh, that's kind of a, a funny tool to use. And I don't know if, uh, you know, that's something people can just turn on. That might just be inherent to certain people, but, um, it's definitely something that has kind of been very, a big driving force for me in my life. When, while it's worked really well to keep me focused and get a lot done, it's also been, uh, you know, a, a big obstacle to overcome in my life because when, you know, it's like, let's just say anxiety has a, a way of kind of like making you work really hard. And then there's a point at which if it gets too high and you, and you cross a threshold, it has a negative impact on your, on you. And, and I've experienced that through business, through competitive sport. Um, so that's just my, that's the work that I have to do. And, you know, I, I felt it at the peak of competition season. I was always an anxious competitor and, you know, the CrossFit open and regionals just year after year got more and more and more hard, but more and more difficult for me mentally and emotionally. Um, and, you know, as, as I grow this business and it, um, reaches more people, you know, that there's starting to be those moments where I'm like, oh man, this is kind of taking its toll on me because there's now more and more things that I feel responsible for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess this is to be then, uh, how, how are you dealing with it or what are some of the, tr- the either tools or things that you're doing? Well, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, I'm in it right now. It's a, it's an active process in my life. It's, um, you know, first building awareness around it and then seeking professional help people that, that understand this, like it's the same way anything in my life. It's like, I don't really know this, this thing. I need to solve it. I need to find somebody that gets it better than me. So, you know, talk therapy, working with like psychologists, professionals, you know, um, I'm, I'm in therapy, uh, every week, you know, I have been for, for big portion of my life um since i was like an adult um it's always been valuable but working on different parts of myself over the years and now this is sort of like bubbling up to the surface like okay this is this is the work and this is the obstacle i have in front of me so let's make that a focus of the work that i do with with professionals that do this like i ask people to hire me and my staff 
to be their health and fitness professional that coach them and guide them on an individual coaching, you know, fitness journey. When it comes to focus or mental development and, and psychological development, it's like, yeah, there's like professionals out there that help with that. Yeah. You know, my wife is a psychologist, so it's just very much ingrained in, in my life. And uh, so you, you got the shortcut there. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Uh, th- thank you for sharing that. That's uh, you know, the standing on shoulders of giants and really, borrowing the knowledge of others is i i like that a lot okay final question actually second to last question favorite book on peak performance yeah no i mean i i just go back to that like four hour work week with tim ferris i mean it was just sort of a groundbreaking book for me and it got me thinking very differently about so much of my you know life i mean the, the title is kind of somewhat misleading you know <laughs> very <but really, laughs> <laughs> really he goes just deep into kind of like how do you optimize you know the energy and the effort you put towards things and he takes a specific example of creating kind of your own small business that can run itself but you know the process of like how do we optimize that um, can apply to a lot of things awesome marcus thank you so much for taking the time where can people find out more about you please uh first and foremost go and follow me on social media so Marcus Philly on Instagram, functional.bodybuilding on Instagram. Those are my two core feeds. Um, my business is Revival Strength. That is the company that I own. It's a coaching business that is the home of, you know, our training programs, our individual coaching, our gym here in California. Revival-strength.com is our website. And, uh, we have an email list. You go and sign up for that email list. You get a, you know, a trial training, um, program of the program that you're following. You get, uh, a nutrition kind of how to download a little bit of how I approach my food, the supplements and the why behind it. Um, and we send out weekly content every week. There's an email that goes out that is training, nutrition, lifestyle related, Lots of functional bodybuilding content. So it's all free if you sign up. And it's just a great way for us to communicate with our audience and let them know what we're doing and give them tools that hopefully impact them in a positive way uh, that they can go and apply right away. So follow me on social media and go sign up for the email list. Perfect. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for taking the time today, man. This has been a pleasure and really getting to pick your brain on all kinds of things related to recovery, to nutrition, to really just performance in general. So thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. To everybody listening, have an excellent day. Superhumans, before you go, can I ask two favors? Did you enjoy that episode? If so, can you send me an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com? Provide any feedback, positive or negative. I would love to hear from you. And for those of you who have really taken advantage of that, you know I respond to each email. Secondly, if you did enjoy the episode, can you head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, any one of your favorite podcast listening platforms, and give Decoding Superhuman a five-star rating. It would really be appreciated. And then finally... For those of you who are looking at taking an informed approach to health, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com. Check out what we have going on over there. And if you want to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call with me, you're going to have that option. 
Superhumans, have an absolutely epic day. And remember, as always, choose health.